Today is amazing. Last week was amazing, right? Oh my crying, oh my, <laughs> you know. But the Holy Spirit evidently is with us and he's moving. So um, this week, I had a dream. I was waking up and you know how the Lord speaks to me. And so I was waking up and I saw a famous preacher um, in a field. He's a Baptist preacher, but he's on television. He's big, very well known. His children are very well known, whatever. Um, a black Baptist pastor. And um, I saw him in a field and I saw him telling people that um, he's preaching, just him by himself, but it was a field. So I know that represents the people, the world. And he's preaching that success has detours and delays and it's not a straight shot to the top. And when I heard him preaching this, I heard another voice say, straight to the top. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I instantly knew that the Holy Spirit was saying that the believer goes straight to the top. Amen. And I began to question and I said, well, Jesus, you know, I got, I, now I'm getting up. I said, but Jesus didn't go straight to the top. I said, that doesn't really make any sense. And then, because you got to question, even when it's Revelation, you got to question it. And so the Lord said to me, exactly. He didn't go straight to the top. So you can. So the church can. And I was like, oh my goodness. And instantly he connected it to what we preached last week. Joseph went straight to the top. I mean, Joseph didn't go straight to the top. He suffered, but his brothers went straight to the top. And I said, oh my God. Now I've read the story of Joseph a million times. I know it's the biggest type of shadowing type of Jesus. I never in my life saw that before. And I said, oh, we need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's really good, right? So the Lord, I got crazy. Pastor Patrick texted me something. I said, I can't talk right now. I got I to gotta write this stuff out. I got to see what the Lord is saying. And I began to take some notes. Some things I had a revelation of 2014 and, or uh, well, 15, and then the Lord is now bringing it back. But I was mesmerized. So the title of today's message is Straight to the Top. Amen. Amen. You get to go straight to the top. And the Lord showed me Let's talk about Jesus first and then we'll get to the Joseph story and Benjamin. And so he showed me how Jesus came to the planet, lived a sinless life, suffered, bled, was, was, was ridiculed, was whipped. He died and then he rose from the dead. So his ascension and seating at the right hand of the Father came with suffering, came with a lot of detours. But at the end of the day, he went to the top. The Bible says that when Jesus went through all that, we, threw, we went through all that with him in terms of this, not the suffering part. It says we were raised together with him. It says we were made alive together with him. And that's what it says in Ephesians 2. We were made to sit together with him in the heavenly places. So when you got born again, 
you went straight to the top. All of his suffering and his exaltation resulted in you going straight to the top. When you got born again, God didn't say, okay, now you need to go to a cross. You need to suffer. You need to get stabbed. You need to get your nails, your hands pierced and your feet pierced. He said, no, you get born again, my son already did it. You go straight to the top. Glory be to God. The Bible says he's called us out of darkness into his what? Marvelous light. There's an instant change. Colossians says that we should give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. It also says after that, who has, who has what? Verse 13, delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us, King James Version, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, do you know what a translation is? Now, we talked about this when, 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 when we talk about miracles, about the miracle of translation. What is a translation? Say it. Moving directly from one place to another. Instantaneous change. It wasn't a long, drawn-out process before you get born again. Salvation is not a process. It's an instant change. Instant translation. As some other versions say transferred or conveyed, but translation is the best. You are translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. So you instantly went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light in an instant. So you said, Jesus, boom, you're another kingdom. Straight to the what? Top. Hallelujah. Then we have Revelations 1, 5, and 6 that says that Jesus loved us, washed us from our sins, and made us kings and priests unto his God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. A king is on a throne. A king is at the top. So you went straight to the what? Spiritually speaking. Now, did you notice in Ephesians 2, it says, God the Father made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places. Then, Revelation says, Jesus made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. Do you realize that the Father and the Son worked together and brought us straight to the top? And did you notice that there wasn't no um, question about whether you wanted to go to the top or not? The Bible says you were made kings and priests. So Jesus asked you, do you want this status or not? You want to be royalty or don't you? That wasn't a question for you to ask. You want my kingdom? You go to the top. Amen. You want to be saved? You go to the top. You notice that the father then said, do you want to be identified with Christ in his death, burial and resurrection and his ascension? Is that, is that something that you're interested in? No. You want to be born again? You go straight to the top. You're sitting with him in heavenly places, which is the highest seat in heaven. Somebody shout Hallelujah. You're literally with Jesus at the highest seat in heaven. Somebody say, I'm at the highest seat. Now, the story of Joseph is a picture of what was to come. Now, Jeff said he read the story. Did anybody else read the story of Joseph over again? I hope you did. You should read it. Genesis, read it. And in the story, Joseph... Now, first of all, how many of you know the story of Joseph? The whole pit, palace, prison stuff. Okay, good. Now, you know that he had um, brothers that were jealous of him. Okay, he had 10 brothers that were jealous of him. They were the ones that were responsible for all this crazy stuff that happened to him. But what's not talked about as much, well, previously, was the youngest brother, Benjamin. 
And Benjamin is who you are. The ten brothers represent the law. Ten commandments. They represent the one, the brothers who were not Joseph's full brother. They were Leah's kids. And uh, they represent the Old Testament. Joseph and Benjamin represent the New Testament. Jesus and the church. There's a lot of symbolism in the Bible. So let me give you an example. Somebody's like, oh, this is interesting. It is. Remember when Jesus was on the planet and he said, um, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Anybody know that scripture? Anybody heard that scripture preached before? Raise your hand if you heard that before. If you didn't, you haven't been in church long enough. <laughs> well, people preach that and say, oh, that's why we're going to uplift Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Praise Jesus. And people will come to the, to the Lord. That is not what Jesus was talking about. Now, that's a nice statement, but that is totally not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was referring, if you read the whole context, was referring to something that happened in the Old Testament. There was a time Israel was complaining, complaining, complaining. They were getting on the Lord's nerves. <laughs> Maurice Johnson translation. <laughs> and the Bible says that he judged them and he sent fiery serpents out of the wilderness and they started biting the people and they were dying like flies. Hundreds, thousands. And Moses was like, oh my goodness, Lord! He said, yeah, these niggas are getting on my nerves, man. So I gotta, so, <laughs> that's not exactly what he said, but you know, you get the point. So he says, no, Lord, Moses, you know, the great intercessor interceding for Israel all the time. And he says, what can we do? He said, all right, take one of those serpents, bronze it up, put it on a pole, and whoever looks at that serpent on a pole will live. And then the judgment will stop. That was actually a representation of the coming Christ. He would be put on the cross, made sin for us, the serpent, bronze meaning judgment, all the judgment of the world is coming on Jesus and we're gonna to come to him because of it. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Now, what's amazing is, in our country, I don't know about, maybe in the rest of the world too, um, you know the symbol in the medical science, in the, in the hospitals, with the serpent on the pole? It comes from that story. Did anybody know that? Yeah. Who didn't know that? Oh, you learned something today. Who didn't know that? Raise your hand high. Come on, man. Yeah. Jesus is in our medical thing. That serpent, now don't tell the world. They'll be like, take that off. <laughs> but that represents Jesus on the cross. Isn't that amazing? So there's a lot of symbolisms in the world. And Benjamin and Joseph is one of those things. So Joseph is our heavenly Jesus, or Jesus is our heavenly Joseph. There's no other shadow and type that's greater in the Old Testament than Joseph when it comes to Jesus. Now, usually people preach, they preach Joseph as us, which is fine, I get it. But in reality, Joseph 
is Jesus. Benjamin is the church. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So let's explore this. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Number one, Benjamin received a name change when he was born. Benjamin received a name change when he was born. Genesis 35, 16 to 19 says this, and I hope you can turn there, you know. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now, who's Rachel? Rachel is the chick that Jacob was crazy about. Anybody know that story? And the father tricked him and gave him Leah. I don't want her. He went to bed and was like, wow, my God, what happened? Sorry for Leah. Sorry, guys. He said, yo, you, you tricked me. He was only reaping what he sowed because he was a trickster himself. And um, he said, all right, then you're going to have to work uh, seven more years for Rachel. Now, what most people don't realize is he actually got Rachel as a wife right away. But he worked for her seven more years. People usually teach that, oh, he worked seven years, then he gave him Rachel. No, he gave him Rachel, gave him Rachel right away. You think he's going to work seven years and ain't got nothing going on? He's like, uh-uh, I, I need this. And so he gave him the wife, and then he had to work for her seven more years. Fourteen years altogether. Amazing. Amazing symbolism with that. But anyway, let's, let's go into this. So this is the, the wife he really loved. And so she labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. Now, Rachel... Now, there's so much symbolism in the Bible. I don't want to confuse you, but this is so deep. Rachel also represents Jesus, the lamb. Do you know how, do you know the word Rachel means lamb? Anybody knew that? Notice it says she was in hard labor. When Jesus was on the cross, he was in hard labor. And he gave birth to a son. Who was the son? The church. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on, somebody. Do not fear, you will have this son also. Verse 18, and so it was as her soul was departing, for she died. Remember Jesus said on the cross, it says, he gave the ghost and said, it is finished. Come on, somebody. That she called his name Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So Benjamin went from a negative to a positive instantly. He went straight to the top because when his father changed his name. Amen? Amen. And guess what happened? When you got born again, your name was changed. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No longer a sinner. Now you're a saint. No longer unrighteous. Now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No longer darkness, but now the Bible says you are light in the Lord. You had a name change. The Bible says we are what? A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's own special people. A name change. We went from a, from a negative to a positive instantly. That's what the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? 
saved. Saved is a state of being. Saved is your new title. Saved is your new name. Somebody shout, I'm saved. I'm saved. Samantha told me, he's in here? No, he's not here, right? Oh, he's laying down. All right. Oh, he's behind you. So she said, I had, some of you don't know this, but I led Ethan to the Lord. One time I was hanging out. I thought the Lord said, it's time. We was at Green Acres Mall. He, he'll, he'll never forget. <laughs> Look at him laughing. He's at Green Acres Mall. I said, you know, I tried to, you know, preach the gospel on a, on a little baby level, you know. And so I said, you want to see Jesus? He said, yeah. Eating his hot wings. <laughs> and we prayed and he received Jesus and he was born again. His mother said, I don't know if it was the day, the next day or that night, she, he's laying in the bed. He says, he just screamed out, Mommy, I'm saved. See, his spirit knew the transformation. Even if his head doesn't understand everything, his spirit man knew a change took place. So he just shouted it out. Mommy, I'm saved. It's powerful. And that is what happened to you when you got born again. Instantaneously, you went from a negative to a positive. You had a name change. And what's powerful, something that I didn't see before when I was studying this, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Because I used to always preach, because I preached this before, like, oh, yeah, we went from, we're not, we're not the son of sorrow, we're a son of, we're, we're the sons of the right hand. But actually, the Lord showed me something. He says, no, you're both. You're both. You're a son that was born out of Jesus' sorrow, and you became the son of my right hand. I said, whoa, Holy Ghost. Somebody shake yourself because y'all a little boring up here right now. Shake yourself. This is exciting. Shake yourself. Oh, my God. Anybody excited? Anybody excited up in this mug? All right. Come on. Number two, Benjamin and Joseph came from the same mother. They weren't half-brothers, they were full-brothers. Write that down. Benjamin and Joseph came from the same mother. They weren't half-brothers, they were full-brothers. That represents us today. The Bible says we're one with the Lord. The Bible says we're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that Jesus broke down the middle wall of partition. Now that's kind of talking, you know what I mean? Nobody's used the word. Well, people use partition who are construction people. Does anybody know what it means that he broke down the middle wall of partition? If you read it, huh? Come on, the wall of separation. Do you know what he's talking about in Ephesians 2? Anybody? Anybody read Ephesians? You don't need to read Ephesians. That's my favorite book. Anybody know what that means? There was a divide between the Jew and the Gentile. We all represent the Gentiles. The Bible says that Jesus tore that down through his death, burial, and resurrection. He tore it down. So there's only one man. There's only one kingdom. You, everybody, Jew, Gentile, Greek, Haitian, Jamaican, Black American, whatever you are, you must be born again. Amen. Amen. And when you get born again, you instantly come into the family of God. You instantly become part of the church. You instantly are a child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And you're Jesus' full brother. You're not a half-brother. You're a full brother. That's what Jesus told his disciples. The Bible says, I go to your God. We put this before he um, 
ascended on high. He said, I go to your God and I go to my God. The Bible says that he talked to them as brothers. The Bible says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Anybody read that in the book of Hebrews? Hebrews 2 says that Jesus is in the midst of the church, singing through the church to the Father. Sounds like some crazy stuff, right? I know, it's a little deep, but it's good. And we're full brothers with Jesus. Yes, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but he's also your brother. Now, when I first heard that, I was reading Brother Hagin's um, book, one of his books. He said, Jesus is our elder brother. I said, what? Are you crazy? Jesus God. I said, yeah, my older brother. But what happened was I wasn't, I was a young Christian. So I didn't know the different aspects of the nature of Jesus. He's the son of man, but he's also the son of God. He's God, but he's also my brother. Isn't that powerful? There's so many different aspects to who our Lord is. We're, we're married to Jesus. Are you really serious? We're married to Jesus? Yet we're his body. Come on, somebody. How can I be married to somebody and then be his body? There's so many different aspects. But the fact is that we are his full brother. And that's why you need to take that concept in. Because being his full brother means that there's special privileges and special treatment you get because you're the full brother of Jesus. That we're going to see that Benjamin got because he was the full brother of Joseph. Now, how many, come on, let's be real. We've been in the world. We've seen the, 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 the half-brother stuff. Some of them, sometimes people don't even consider their half-brother their sibling. They, 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 I don't know about you. My dad was doing whatever he was doing, but my siblings with me and my mother and my dad, that's, who, that's who's my sibling. Anybody seen that before in families? Yeah, yeah. Even back then, that was a big deal. If you're the full brother, you get a little different treatment. We're the full brother of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, somebody. All right. Number three. This one is powerful, guys. Benjamin received the verbal blessing of grace from Joseph. Now, I got to, we don't have the time to go into the full story. Listen, when I read that story again, I started crying. Talking about not the part that we preached last week. Talking about the part where after he's now enthroned and his brothers come to him. Yo, that thing will have... I, I read that thing many times. I didn't cry. But I was weeping like a baby reading this because I was really engrossed into the story. And you need to read this story after chapter 41. From 41 on, you need to read the rest of the story about what happened after Joseph was enthroned and his brothers came to him because of the famine that was coming or that came. And so here in Genesis um, 43, I put the wrong thing here. All right, good, got enough time. Verses 29 to 31, it says, now, I'm, we're skipping a lot. Joseph is now um, required that they bring his brother back to him after the brothers came to him. And it says, then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? So now remember, at this point, he hasn't revealed that he's their brother, Joseph. He's still playing this game with him. It's a fascinating story. And he said to Joseph, he comes to him and says, God be gracious to you, my son. He didn't say that to his other brothers. 
but he said it to Joseph. Watch this. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went into his chamber and wept there. So I'm not the only crybaby. <laughs> I got Joseph on my side. He saw his younger brother, his full brother, and he began to cry like a baby. He ran into his house, his bedroom, and began to cry. Then he washed his face and came out and he restrained himself and said, serve the bread. Oh, that's powerful. My God. My God. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He said, serve the bread. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Serve the bread. Oh, my God. What, G what Joseph said to Benjamin is what Jesus is saying to the church today. God be gracious unto you, my son. One day, I had this experience. I was laying on my bed. I've had a lot of experiences laying on my bed. I told you that one time I was laying on my bed. I was feeling tempted. About what? None of your business. <laughs> and, and the Holy Ghost said, I heard his voice loud and clear. You can't, you can't win with your mouth closed. Loud and clear. Oh, okay, I know what that means. You have to fight temptation with your words. Can't think it away. You got to fight it. So the time I was laying in my bed and there was somebody hovering over me. You know how you may be laying on a bed and somebody's over you? Now, usually husband and wives experience this. I'm not trying to be graphic. But somebody, and I knew it was Jesus, and I heard his voice, God, be gracious unto you, my son. Exactly what, what Joseph said to Benjamin. And that's what Jesus is saying to the church. That's what Jesus is saying to you individually. God be gracious unto you, my son, my daughter, my kid. Aren't you excited about that? Amen. Now do you understand why now in the New Testament, every time Paul opened the letter, he said grace and peace to you from God the Father and who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, would, then he ends every letter with what? The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Or the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. He opened his letters in grace and he ended them in what? Grace. grace. Because we're living in the generation of grace. The time of grace. Amen? Amen. So that's what Jesus is saying to you. God be gracious unto you. He's releasing grace. This is why preachers who release negative words over you and speak hellfire and all kind of bad things over you, they're not representing Jesus. They're not representing our heavenly Joseph properly because Jesus is not speaking law and condemnation. He's speaking grace. Isn't that beautiful? He's speaking favor over your life. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to do what? Does anybody know? 
To make what? Everybody say it. To make intercession for you. What do you think he's saying during his intercession? Now notice, because some people say, oh, um, Jesus, now look at me, doing like Brother Hagin did. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus' uh, sacrifice is your intercession. That's correct. The Bible says that his blood is on the mercy seat for the appropriation for our sins. Yes. But look at the terminology that Paul uses in Romans. He said he ever lives in Hebrews he, and, and Romans. He ever lives to do what? To make. Not that he made. Which means that he is currently doing something as your high priest. He's currently doing something as the Bible calls him the minister of the sanctuary in heaven. If you're a minister, you ain't just sitting there looking dumb. You what? You're doing something, right? You know what minister means? Servant. He's serving. Okay, let's break it down even more. In the book of Acts, <laughs> you're going to be doing this one day. In the book of Acts, the Bible says that they were persecuted and then they went and prayed together. And the Bible says, they said, stretch forth your hand to heal. Does anybody remember this in the book of Acts? That signs and wonders will be done through the name of your holy what? Does anybody know what it says? Your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus is not only the son of God, the son of man, he's also the servant of God. Amen. And he's serving the church. Come on, somebody. Amen. And one of the things he's doing, he's making intercession and speaking favor and blessing over your life. This is the reason why, as a parent, the worst thing for you to do is to speak negativity over your children or over anybody. You should be speaking blessing. And when you do that, you're in line with the high priest of heaven. Amen? Amen. The says, hold fast to a good confession. For he is faithful, that promise. So there's blessing and grace being spoken over your life. Because Jesus is ever lives to make intercession for you. Isn't that good news? Amen. And the Bible says, and his heart yearned for his brother. Do you know that Jesus yearns for you? This is why in the book of Revelation, John, he's seeing Jesus in all his glory. He, he said, yeah, he's, he's this great God. He's this great person. But he says, and he loved us. That's the first thing he said. He didn't say he washed your sins, he made your king. He said, from Jesus Christ who loved us. And if you really study the scriptures, you'll find out that the apostle John really had the greatest revelation of God's love. And isn't it interesting that he was like Benjamin, the youngest one? That's good, right? Isn't it interesting that he's the one that laid on Jesus' bosom? At the Last Supper? Read the Gospel of John. Read the book of Revelation. Read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. You'll find out he had the greatest revelation 
of the love of God. Isn't it interesting that he's the one who five times said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loves? <laughs> he didn't say, oh yeah, God loves me. Like maybe some of the other disciples did. No, he internalized it. And isn't it interesting? I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting that he's the only disciple that didn't get, that, that, that wasn't martyred? Very, very interesting. Remember when Jesus told Paul, you'll be martyred. I mean, Peter, you'll be martyred for my sake. When you get old, they're going to take you where you, where, you, where you don't want to go. When you were younger, you did what you want to do. That tells me something. Parents, kids, Jesus is even looking at your childhood. He sees every part of who you are. He even knows your personality. He said to Peter, he said, when you were younger, you did what you wanted to do. You were a wild kid. You were a strong-willed child. He said, when you get older, they're going to take your hands and bind you, and you're going to die for me and glorify God through your death. And he was like, well, what about this guy? And he was pointing to John, because him and, him and John always had a competition going on. You're the bold one, you're the loud one, but he's the lover. He said, what about this guy? And Jesus said to him, what does that have to do with you? That's none of your business. And he said, and this is what he said, if I want, he will live until I come again. Oh my God. Do you know what he was saying? Jesus is saying, um, I'm that bad mamma jamma <laughs> that I could, I could stall physical death in John's life if I want to. And he will live for centuries. My God. So you should, so living a long time shouldn't be a big deal for you. Living to be 100 shouldn't be a big deal. Jesus said, I can make you live until I come back. Jesus. <laughs> you already told me. He's like, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? The Bible says that now, now this is what happens in church. The Bible says that word got out. Oh, John's going to live forever until Jesus comes back. Jesus didn't say that. But you know, once the rumor starts, <laughs> the whole thing changes. Oh my God. Does anybody read the Bible and it comes alive to you? Like with me? You need to be engrossed. Don't be reading the Bible and watching TV. Get in that Bible, read it, and like, whoa, this is interesting. Get into it. Come on, somebody. All right. I'm excited. Somebody say straight to the top. Hallelujah. Number four. Benjamin received five. Well, let me stop before we go there. Okay, the Holy Ghost. I'm going to yield. The Lord said, bring this part out too. <laughs> Hallelujah. When Paul was attacked by the devil and it was getting to him, the Bible says he prayed three times to be taken from him. Jesus comes and gives him a word. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. My strength, my power. People teach that as if Jesus was like, oh, you know, Paul, I'm so sorry. I can't really help you, but I'm gonna give you a little grace to deal with this. It's not what Jesus was saying. When Jesus said, my grace is sufficient, if you look at the James concordance, 
Another part, another thing that they said he was saying is that my grace is enough to ward off the attacks. Somebody say what? Ward off the attacks. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I know the devil's beating you up and, I, and I'm going to give you some grace to, to, to deal with it. No, no, no. He was saying my grace is enough to stop what you're going through. Amen. He wasn't saying let the devil beat you up. He was saying my grace is enough. Matter of fact, somebody say, it's more than enough, more than enough. to deal with the devil. The devil doesn't have one up on you. How the devil got something up on you and you see it in heavenly places? How the devil got one up on you and the Bible says that you're seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus? That you're a king and a priest unto God? How the devil got something on you and he's a defeated foe? And you have authority over him in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost? How the devil going to beat you up and greater is he who is in you, hello, than he who is in the world? Oh my goodness. I think we have a lack of revelation of grace. Jesus is saying, grace be unto you, my son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Read the story of Zerubbabel when he spoke, grace, grace. He says, who are you, O great mountain? The devil wants to believe that he's a great mountain. And they spoke, grace, grace to it. Grace will pulverize the devil. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. You don't believe that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus' death was Satan's greatest defeat. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus tasted death for every man by the grace of God. Grace gave you your victory. Grace gave you your salvation. So Paul comes later and says, by, you've been saved by grace through faith. Not of works that anybody should boast. It's the grace of God. Come on, somebody say it's grace. grace. Somebody say straight to the top. To the top. Serve the bread. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh my God. Number four, Benjamin. This is again Joseph's young brother. Joseph is our Jesus is our heavenly Joseph. Benjamin represents us, the church, the younger brother. Number four, it says, ben, I wrote down this, Benjamin received five times more than his brother. How many? Five. Now, remember his dad, remember we said earlier, he changed his name from Benoni to Benjamin, son of my right hand, right? Let me ask you a question. How many fingers are on your right hand? Five. What does that represent? Grace. What, what, what does that represent? Grace. Okay, if you're a baby Christian, you know this, the number five in biblical numerology represents grace. So everybody say grace. grace. So when he said you're the son of my right hand, you're the son of power, you're the son of majesty, you're the son of glory, you're the son of grace. And the Bible says he gave him five times more. He didn't say six times more, four times more, seven, five. God is sending us a message through his word. Amen. Grace will get you there. Amen. Hallelujah. Me, me and Makita, we have our thing called parking grace. 
some of y'all jumped on it recently, especially you. You started jumping on it. Parker, oh yeah, I got. I'm gonna get my space. We 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 took a hold of the fact that there's some hard parking in New York City. But I came to a revelation when I started getting into grace that I don't really care about what the circumstances are. I want a parking space. This is when I was driving. And I'm going to get a parking space. I ain't going to be sitting here for two hours no more. 45 minutes, an hour. No, no, no. Grace. Parking grace. And so what I would do is, before I got home, I started praying, Lord, give me a space. And, and this is how my mindset was. Now watch this. You know when something has transformed your thinking, how you think. So I said, well, what if I get home at like 1 o'clock in the morning? Everybody's parked up. I said to myself, I don't care if God has to wake up some sinner <laughs> to move their car because they want to get a drink or they want to go do something evil. Give me my parking space. You know how many times that happened? Over and over and over again. One day, I was just like, oh, Lord, before I could finish even praying, I drove up wide space. I said, oh Lord, it's not just space, it's wide space. Glory to God. I don't even want you struggling to get into the space. I said, thank you Lord. You think this is like coincidence? No, it's grace. Amen. Anybody experience parking grace? Yes. Oh, I see testimonies up in here. Glory to God. You ain't praying no parking grace. This guy in the back trying to talk about, yeah, parking grace. You just got saved the other day. No, I'll stop. <laughs> Actually, baby Christian, they be getting a lot of stuff. I'm like, whoa. Matter of fact, yeah, come here. Come here, um, Derek. Come here. Hurry up, man. Come on, move, bro. You acting like you're an old man, bro. That's the Lord. The Lord, the Lord made me do that so he can remind me of something. So this is my guy. He's amazing, 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 amazing king. So he's a new believer. He's been saying, you've been saying what, a year, two years now? Like two, yeah. About two years almost. So um, we were talking on the phone when I was in the grocery store. He said, oh, Pastor, I got to tell you this testimony. So when I listened to it, I said, oh, yeah, we're going to hear this testimony. But I'm going to show you something. Now, you, now, we all know how God does for the baby Christians. You know, anything they say, they get. <laughs> then you get older. It's like, okay, Lord, it's taking a little longer. What's going on here? <laughs> I'm like, okay. But anyway. So tell us your testimony, that the, what you told me in the store. Um, so I used, to work, I used to work at Express at QCM. It's a retail store. And working there, I realized, like, I, I'm not doing retail. And I was listening to Pastor Maurice Priest, and he was like, and you said, if you're not enjoying life, you're not doing it right. Woo! So like, Come on. I'm not, I'm not working at retail no more. And so... So I left that job, and but before I left that job, I was like, I started to worry because I'm like, because I'm about to start college. So I was like, oh, so where else am I gonna work? So I started to get a little worried, and then I just prayed about it. I was like, Lord, just give me another job. And then five minutes after, my my best friend's sister's fiance, who works for the DOE, was like, I forgot I had sent him my resume. He was like, oh. I have a job for you. I have a job for you working at an after school, and and they want to hire you. So I was, and I was like five minutes after. So I was like, oh, come on. I was like, grace. And, but I had reached another problem. That working hey, at that God. job, 
working there since it's an after school is going to interfere with my college, my college schedule. So I was like, great, another one. And <laughs> so I was like, Lord, just fit. if you did this, you can do this. So fix this college schedule. And then I had texted my friend. I was like, yo, can you just pray for me for this? And he was like, these are the times where the Lord tests you. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to even worry about it. So I got on, so I emailed my college advisor, and he was, he was saying, like, oh, you probably might not get what you want since it was, this was two weeks before school started. School was about to start. So I was like, I probably might not get it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to even, I'm not going to even worry about it. And so I got on a Zoom call with him, and before, before I was about to accept this one class, it was going to be like, it was going to, I was going to be able to do it, work around my schedule. But it wasn't what, it felt like it wasn't the one that I wanted because the class was from 6 to 9. And I'm like, I, I ain't doing no class from 6 to 9. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, before I accepted, I was like, I was like, just show me, is there anything else before I say yes to this? And he was like, uh, there might not be, but I can look. And when I was, when he was looking, he showed me this one class that fit perfectly with my schedule. I was like, this is what I want. This, this is the class. And now I have my work, my work to school schedule is like perfect for me right now. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Awesome. Grace. Thank you. You can go now. <laughs> the Bible says the Lord will what? Perfect that which what? Concerns you. It's not just a scripture. It's reality. And I love seeing it operating in a young believer's life. So you old believers, get back into that. Amen. He said, I said, Lord, you fix it. That's what you're going to do. Lord, you fix it. God don't need you crying. Oh, my God. No, Lord, you fix it. See, young believers don't, don't, don't know the churchy stuff. You know, they're like, okay, just God, just do it. And if you did it for this, you'll do it for this. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, shout, he can do it. Can do it. Come on, shout, straight to, the top. straight to the top. For those of you who came later, you may be wondering why we keep saying straight to the top. I, I told the, the congregation that this week I had a dream when I was waking up that I didn't realize how the Lord was connecting it. I've been saying, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? What do you want to say? And then I had this dream, and he showed me a famous Baptist preacher who's well-known on television. His kids are famous, and he was in a field. I don't know if Phil represents the kingdom of God, people, whatever. And he was just preaching um, the way to the top is not straight. There's detours and there's, and the Lord, and then, I, and then I heard another voice, the voice of the Lord. And he said, straight to the top. And then instantly, I just knew in the spirit that he was showing me that just like um, Jesus suffered and the church went straight to the top, Joseph suffered and his brothers went straight to the top. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. No detours, no delays, no dilemmas. Amen. And let me just say this. The church is drunk on detours, delays, and dilemmas. Yeah. Every preaching you hear is about some detour, some delay, some, dile some dilemma, delays, not denial, all that stuff. And that's true, delays, not denial. But the reality is, why are we having so many delays? Why are we having so many dilemmas? Why are we having so many detours and the world ain't having none of it? Because we've accepted. You see how he said, I didn't accept this. 
and we cannot accept detours, delays, and dilemmas anymore. Amen. Somebody say straight to the top. Somebody say straight to the top. Look to the neighbor, neighbor, straight to the top. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Somebody say, wow. wow. Super, so, preaching is so supernatural. You remember that scripture in Job when it says, you should decree a thing and it should be, and it should be established unto you? There's a, and it says, light shall shine into your ways. A few verses down, it says, you will say, exaltation will come and you will be exalted. Somebody say, straight to the top. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, Genesis 43, verse 32 to 34. We're talking about Benjamin received five times more than his brothers. So they sent him a place. They sent him a place. Talking about Joseph. So now he's dining with his brothers. And they sent him a and And Joseph is set by himself. So they sent him a place by himself. He's the Pharaoh's um, second in command. And them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves. So there's three different sets out all right are you, are you guys thinking about this think about a kingdom think about some of the television shows you've seen and they're dining it's not like one long table it's three different sections joseph is at the top all right his brother the the, the egyptians over here and his brothers are over here just imagine that three different sets, but they're all in his chamber where they would where they, where they would eat okay and it says because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Joseph is still playing the game. Though he's the top dog, I got to make sure I play the game so the Pharaoh won't have no problems with me. Very smart. When you're corporate America, play the game. But know that God's favor is on your life. Amen? Come on. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked in astonishment at one another. Like, how did this guy know the, the birthright? Because he hasn't see it yet revealed himself to them. Watch this. Then he took servings, then he, talking about Joseph, took servings to them from before him. So imagine he got his place. It's not just like he got a little plate. And a, no, he has an abundance of food spread before this great man called Joseph, the one who you can't even lift your foot without his permission. He's an abundance, not like a little, a little bowl of grapes, a little salad here like we do today. No, 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 no. That's not how you treat someone who's of that nobility. He has an abundance of food. Imagine a whole turkey, a whole um, bowl of, mac of, of, of potato salad, a whole thing of macaroni and cheese. Matter of fact, he got five macaroni and cheeses right there. Bread everywhere, grapes everywhere. and all. I'm just making a food that we do. You know, sweet potato pies everywhere. You'll be like, why did he get all that? Because he's Joseph. He's like Jesus. Abundance, super abundance. Now watch this. It says he took servings to them from before. So he has people serving him and says, take some of my food and bring it to, to them. But Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. Oh, my God. Now, 
You're not a Hebrew. You wasn't. You wasn't. You're not Benjamin. He's probably built a little differently. But I don't care how much of a different physical stature he had. No one person is eating five times more food. Am I correct? Joseph didn't eat all the food. I mean, Benjamin didn't eat all the food. What does that tell you? Thank you. More than enough. But sometimes people think more than enough and they think $5 more. Five times more is more like a Powerball. Mega millions. Five times more is that, oh, you have 100,000, I'm about to give you 50 million. What do you do with 50 million? I just want you to have it. Five times more is that you have a little bowl of soup. No, put 20 bowls of soup in front of him. Matter of fact, make them all different. So if you want to taste this one, taste this one, and then they, you don't eat it, I don't care. We call that what? Waste. God calls it abundance. We say, like my grandma used to say, you have to bigger than your stomach. Because <laughs> you took a whole bunch of food and you didn't eat it. Anybody heard that before? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah that, that, yeah, that was the other one. Eat it or you won't wear it. You crying, I want to eat this, I'm not full of one. The reason why, because there's still vestiges of slavery in our minds. God bless our parents and grandparents. But they have a limited thinking, some of them. He put five times more of the food in his younger brother's face. Just for him. They all got food, but five times more. He knew he wasn't going to eat it all, but this is my brother. I'm giving him everything. Joseph is our, represents our heavenly Jesus. That's what Jesus is doing. Amen. Hello, somebody. Amen. Somebody say, that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus. Now, your religious mind and the devil is going to try to convince you that he's not doing that. No, Jesus is giving you five times more. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. for five times more. Right. Now, if you're struggling financially and you don't have the abundance that I'm speaking about, preachers today will say, oh, that's a false gospel. No, maybe you have unbelief. Maybe you are a false Christian. The message ain't wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> maybe you're a lazy bum. Maybe you have so much unbelief, you're not receiving the abundance. Maybe you said words that are contrary to what Jesus is giving you. Brother Hagin wrote a book called Don't Blame God. The greatest lesson, one of the greatest lessons you can learn in the beginning of your walk with God is never blame him. He's never the problem. Somebody say never. never. If you see a problem in your life, it's not God. Something's going on with you. Fix it. Don't be in denial. Don't be a liar like a lot of human beings and Christians. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Something wrong with him. You know, marriage. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Something wrong with them. At the job. And there's never nothing wrong with you. And then people can bring that into their walk with God. 
Ain't nothing wrong with me. Something wrong with you. That Adam spirit. The woman you gave me. You messed this up. God was about to smack you. The angel held his hand back. He said, help. Gabriel said, no, Lord. Michael said, no, Lord. What? You little crumb cake. You just got created and you already messed up the whole thing. Talking about the woman, the wife I gave you. Now, God didn't say that part. But I would have said that. You just, got, you just messed up the whole thing, man. But the blame game has been a human being since the beginning of time. Don't blame God. Jesus is giving you five times more. Your job is to say, Lord, show me how to receive it. You are so good. I know this struggle is not your fault. Show me what I have to do to receive the five times more blessing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Number five. Benjamin had the silver cup. I don't have time to read that, but write down Genesis 44, 1 to 2. Silver represents your life. The cup represents redemption. Your life has been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says, now write down also Genesis 44, 10 to 13. And it says, when they searched, they found the cup in the youngest sack, in Benjamin's sack. Redemption is found in the church. There's no other way to Jesus. I mean, to God, but through Jesus. You must be born again. We are the redeemed people. Oh, Hallelujah. Certain things are not supposed to happen to you because you're redeemed. Certain things you need to stand against because you're redeemed. Amen. 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 That's why I say bought back, property of the Holy Ghost. So if you have some sickness trying to come in your body, one of the things, instead of just saying, oh God, heal me, heal me, heal me, start first thinking about why do you think you have the right to be in my body, sickness? You're going to have an attitude with sickness and disease. If you look at sickness and disease as your enemy that may come and get you, you're thinking wrong. Sickness and disease is an enemy that doesn't have a right to be on your body. The Lord reminded me of that recently. He says, you got to start standing as a temple of the Holy Ghost and say, you have no right to be in the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you see it that way? Do you see it that way? Do you tell God you're better than aspirin and anison and, and whatever? You're my doctor. Anybody ever tell God that? Do you tell God that? I say, you're my doctor, sir. Fix it. Amen. I don't need these. Never mind. <laughs> I'm really crazy at home. The Lord is like, I like this guy. He's, he's, he's wild. I don't need these crumb cakes, man. Thank God for doctors. But you are the greatest of all. Why am I looking at a man and you got the answer for everything? Amen. There's a particular thing that I'm standing for. And one of the things I told the Lord, I said, um, this has got to change. It's something minor. I said, this has got to change. You said, I'm talking like this to the Lord. You said, the work that you do, I will do also, and greater works than these will I do. Talking about the church. 
Then you said, whatever you ask, and we know that means command or demand, in my name, I will do it. So I said, do it! Amen. Are you afraid to talk to Jesus like that? That is reverence, but I'm still, do it! You said, demand it. I'm demanding it, do it! What I want, change some, didn't fully change. I said, okay, I need to see the full change. I'm not playing here. You said, oh my God, Jesus loves that. Look at this boy. He's bold. He's strong. I'm going to do miracles through him. I said, because if we can't get this little thing done, we can think about all the miracles out there and all the healings and all that stuff. Come on, let's, let's, let's get it. Let's get with it. He's doing something in me. He's making me tenacious. He's making me aggressive. He's making me a stander. Amen. Amen. And he do the same in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, stand your ground. Stand your ground. Somebody say, stand your ground. Because when you get to the top, Satan is going to be mad and jealous that you're at the top and he wants you to come down from the top. Amen. Say, bro, I'm not coming down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to be rich forever. Amen. 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 I'm going to be rare forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm going to be blessed forever. You got it, Sister Carol? We ain't making no apologies to the devil or the world for being blessed. I don't care what any crumb cake out there is talking about. Oh, y'all just into prosperity. Yo, just shut up, man. You gotta tell some of these religious people, shut up. Don't be like, oh, you don't really understand. No, shut up. Nikita, no. There's another version to that. Josh, no. Hold another version to that. <laughs> it's late. Let me give you this last two. That's it. Number six. Benjamin was the love of his dad's life. Woo! feel like karate right now. <laughs> Benjamin was the love of his dad's life. Genesis 44, 30 to 34. Now therefore, when I came to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life. Now you may, let me give you some context. So now, Joseph has still not revealed himself to his brother. And he's saying, yo, Joseph's playing, I mean, Joseph is playing a game with them. So he says, basically, yo, I'm going to keep my, this, your, your youngest brother Benjamin here. Go back to your dad. They're like, no, we can't do that. If we do, our dad's going to die. And it's Judah. It's speaking up. It's funny. Because, um, no, no, no. Very interesting. Reuben spoke first, and dad said, Nah, you ain't taking Joseph. When Joseph, when, 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 when I mean, Benjamin, when Joseph said, Bring him back, they're like, they said, Dad, this guy said we can't come back until we bring Benjamin with us. He says, Nah, uh -uh, y'all, Joseph is gone, I ain't gonna die. And Benjamin said, So, we done. Get out of here, man. <laughs> interesting. There's a, oh, it's a lot to that. These are grown men. They didn't contest what their father said. They stopped talking. Even though their brother is in captivity, the father said, I'm done. We ain't taking Benjamin back. Just stop talking to me. Then they needed some food. They said, Dad, the guy said, don't come back without Benjamin. He said, oh my God! Okay, take him! I guess I'm just going to die. <laughs> they said, the Lord be with you guys. He took him. And Reuben said, like Reuben was the first one, said, Dad, you know, kill my two kids. 
if I don't bring him back? He said, nah, I'm not, I'm not letting Benjamin go. Then Judah comes. It's very interesting. Praise. <laughs> he says, dad, we got to take Benjamin. He says, now watch this. He says, and guys, there's so much in this. I can't even give it all to you. He says, let my blame be on me forever if I don't bring him back. That's also symbolic. That when you get born again and you become the Benjamin generation, the blame that was on your life is forever removed. My God. And so he's talking to Joseph now. And he's saying, listen, we can't do this. My dad is going to die. And he says, because his life is wrapped up into the lad's life. This is a picture of God the Father. He's wrapped up into your life. That's why when Jesus was talking to Nick at night, he was just quoting a scripture like how we quote it. He was actually having a conversation with him, like I always tell you guys. He said, um, Nick, this, this God you know as Elohim, Yahweh, El Shaddai, all that you've learned as a Hebrew young man, he's my father and I know him. And he so loves the world that he gave me to the world. He's wrapped up into you human beings. He actually made me, who was never a human being, a human being. He gave me a body to dwell in for you guys. He's wrapped up into you. And Nicodemus is like, what? He's the Lord God Almighty. He gives the Ten Commandments. We're to live by them. Everybody in the Gentile world, they're, they're nothing. They're unclean. They're uncircumcised. He says, that's true, but it's another truth. He loves you guys so much. Then, before he was leaving the planet, he told the disciples, y'all, I've been taking care of you, helping you out, but now when I'm going back to the Father, go to the Father. Pray in my name, and he will give you whatever you ask that your joy may be full. The only basis, only reason for him giving it to you is so that you can be happy because he's wrapped up into us. And then he says something very powerful to convince them even more. The father himself loves you. Not just me, it's the guy you think is bad in the sky. He's the one who sent me. He's the one who what? Loves you. And I love how he said the father himself no one's convincing God to love you. He loves you out of his own person. Somebody say, the Father himself loves me. Some of you had bad relationships with your dad. Some of you had good ones. But if you had a bad relationship with your dad, don't transfer that to the Father. That's not who he is. Somebody say, that's not who he is. The Father himself loves you. John said this, Behold. What do you say? Behold. I feel like an actor. Behold. <laughs> you know, in those TV shows, behold. Behold what manner of love the what? The Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? Sons of God. Children of God. 
Paul says this, he quotes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, I will be a father to them and I will receive them. The father is what? Wrapped up into your life. Mariah is a new believer, know that. You guys are getting married. You have all these wedding plans. You want everything to work out right. The father is wrapped up into your life. He's more concerned about it being off the hook than you are. Do you understand that? Listen to me. The father's more desirous for your wedding to be off the hook than you're more desirous. Don't do, don't, don't think that everything is on you. Say, Father, you blessed us. We take care of things. But Father, you know, you, 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 you like to do surprises. Surprise us in some way. Show us how much you approve of us. I was like, oh, I like that request. Boom. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Tap into it. He's more interested in giving you the house of your dreams than you're interested in it. Oh, it seems so hard. It's only hard because we're not convinced in grace. We're not convinced that Paul said, I am persuaded that nothing will separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not an angel, no circumstance, not death, not life. Nothing will separate me from his love. Are you persuaded? Are you convinced that God the Father loves you like crazy? Are you convinced that God is crazy about you? I'm writing a book. It's already written, basically, but there's more stuff I got to do. In the chapter, Pastor Fabian and Christopher in it. Amen. And the chapter is called Big Time Love. And I'm using a story when there was a season when I would watch him and they would do counseling together at the church. So I watched him for an hour. One time, this is all in the book, so you'll see it again. So one time, the guy's like two. So I say two, two or three. She brings what I call the bag with her. He's crying. Look at that. The love of God. She has cake, drink, I think two pizzas. I'm like, Fabian, he's three years old. I'm only going to be here for an hour. Oh, I know, I know. Just a kid. She oversupplied for her three-year-old son for watching him for one hour. Do you remember this? She doesn't remember. It's all in my book. The bag. She do this every week. But it was one time, she, she went crazy. And I said, the reason why she did this is called big time love. Her love was so intense for her son that she gave him what he wouldn't even use. If a human being can do that for her human son, what is God the Father doing? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How will he not freely give you all things? I like that. So, what did you say? So much more. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who what? Ask him. You can steal this sermon. It's okay. Because it's amazing. Truly amazing. And the last one. Number seven. Benjamin went straight to the top. Genesis 45, 21 to 24. So now he's revealed himself to his brothers. 
He was saying, the famine is crazy. Go get my dad, get all of my brothers, get all their wives, get all their kids. The Bible says it was 70 people all together that came back to Egypt. And they were going to live in the land of Goshen. Now watch this. Then the sons of Israel did so, verse 21, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh. And he gave the provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, chains of garments. But to Benjamin, somebody said, but to Benjamin, he gave him 300 pieces of silver and five chains of garments. And he sent his father these things, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread and food for his father for the journey. So he sent his brothers away and they departed. And he said to them, see that you do not become troubled along the way. That's a whole nother thing. It reminds me of what Jesus said. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. My peace I give you. Come on. In this world, you will have tribulation, there's trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So write this down. No dilemmas, no detours, no delays. No little, no lack, and no limitation. No dilemmas, no detours, no delays. No little, no lack, no limitation. Just full abundance and favor. Somebody say full abundance, full abundance and favor. This is the will of God for you and for me. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Who is that? I don't even know who that is. I just felt that in my spirit. I can see clearly now. You want to sing that song? You want to do praise and worship right now? <laughs> you got it? You've heard from Jesus? Now lift your hands and begin to praise him. Come on, praise. Praise them. Praise him who gave you this word. <laughs> Mad long, but I don't care. It's a good teaching. Amen. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Lift your voices and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this word. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, living God. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. This was incredible, man.